All right, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. How many of you enjoyed this kingdom series so far? It's been good, right? And uh, it's been really good for me to hear. And, 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 and I know we all have probably one message that was the, the, the pinnacle of the series so far. Um, but I, I just feel like the overall scope of the kingdom of God, a, a phrase that we've probably heard before, but in different contexts and in different scenarios, you would, you would hear it and not quite know what it means. And it has different connotations wherever you kind of are. And so we wanted to hang out here because the Bible, especially the New Testament, and especially Jesus, talks about the kingdom of God about as much as anything else. Uh, he talks about the kingdom of God so often as he, in fact, the first thing he does uh, in Matthew, the very first thing he does after he's tempted by the devil in the desert and after he comes back, the first thing he does is begin to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is arrived, as is near. And so Jesus over and over and over talks about this new kingdom. And so what we want to do, and we talked about it in the first week, is not just uh, receive a savior, but also serve a king. And that we would be people who would, because we've now attached ourselves to who Jesus is, have also uh, planted ourselves where he rules. That we would begin, and Colossians says it this way, that we have been transferred into the kingdom of his son. And so we actually live in a new place. And I don't know if you know about this, the kingdom and kingdom, those two words, if I was in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of the earth, those two phrases are exclusive. This is one of those situations, we're not, we didn't just move neighborhoods that have the same uh, homeowners association. We, we didn't just move down the road that have the same zip code. We, we have moved to a completely different kingdom, which means we have a different power in place. There's a different pattern that we live by, and there's a different product that is a result of our lives. And so, so it's important for us to get this kingdom idea because it is what Jesus talked about the most. And I want to I go back to Genesis 1. I know I told you to turn to Matthew 5. Stay there. But I want to read out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The very first verse you would read in the Bible. The very first verse you read in the Bible sets some things straight. It says, in the beginning. Everybody say, in the beginning. I feel like you always have to do that when you read Genesis 1.1. I feel like if you ever hear preachers read Genesis 1.1, he always goes and say in the beginning. I don't know why. In the beginning. No. I, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. He, from the very start, is letting us know that there's something different about heaven and earth. It's like saying, look, I got my peanut butter and my jelly. They're different. They are not the same thing. All right? And that actually is necessary. But the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the earth. In fact, in Matthew, you hear him say this phrase. He doesn't use the kingdom of God phrase as much as he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. So he, now some would say they're very different. I, I would disagree. I would say there might be some things that are added to kingdom of heaven, but really the premise is still very much the same. So Matthew, it seems, is making this point about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, that there is a difference. And so you see him talk about the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, and he's trying to say, and in, in fact you see it in Jesus' ideal prayer, which is let the kingdom of heaven come on earth as it is where? In heaven, meaning there is a difference. You wouldn't pray for it to be here if it was already here, if it was the same thing. And I actually think there's many of us who live our lives trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. 
We try to somehow, some way, come up with the perfect plan, the perfect success plan, or the perfect action plan to get us from, heaven, from earth to heaven and heaven to earth. We, we try to build this set of action steps that we could somehow close the gap. And, and you go, well, I don't know if that's true. I've never really thought about it that way. I, I would say, like, the, however we view heaven, the, the idea is that so many of our lives, so much of culture is built on this idea that there is something better, there is something more perfect, and if I can get there, then life would be better. And so if I can just achieve this and achieve this and achieve this and achieve this and get this and accumulate that and get that, then all of a sudden I would be in heaven. You ever heard that phrase before? It was like heaven, right? And we, we love to use that phrase like, oh, man, oh, it, was like, it was like heaven. No, it wasn't. It's very different. Bruno, you do not understand. That, no, listen. <laughs> Some of you are like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Relax, y'all. It's in the Bible, too. And um, listen, here's the thing. The idea is that heaven is different. It's different. And Jesus does want us to live with a heaven view, with a heaven mindset, with a, a heavenly idea of where we live and who we are. And so from the very beginning, God has set up this difference. It's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And we try over and over and over again to somehow achieve heaven, somehow set ourselves in a place where if the music's just right and the scenario's set and everything's good, that, that heaven can somehow be achieved if we can just get to that place in our life where everything seems to be a bit more perfect and ideal. But there's a problem with that. The one who created heaven didn't create heaven to be achieved. He didn't set up heaven to be something we somehow achieve. Heaven is very different. I want to read that because I want to read out of the Beatitudes, which is Matthew 5, which is where I asked you to turn. And really, this is where Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom in very clear terms. It's, it's Jesus' first recorded message. It's his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. And he starts the sermon uh, with a really, really strange phrase. It's one that if you really don't, if you just breeze by it, you, you kind of begin to make it something that it isn't. Um, and so I wanted to talk about this. I'm not going to read all of the Beatitudes because really most of them have the same kind of bent that this first one does. But he, So in Matthew chapter 5, he's just come out of the desert. He's just picked a few disciples. He's just begun to heal a bunch of people. And we're going to talk about that next week. But Matthew 5 verse 1, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now I, that's not necessarily part of my message, but I will say that seems to be important. That wherever Jesus is, wherever I can find him, that's where I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to hang out wherever Jesus is, which probably means I open my Bible a little bit, that I pray a little bit, that I get away from distractions of life and I sit down, that, that every once in a while prayer might feel like I'm climbing a mountain. No, you guys are all good Christians. Okay, I just, I feel like every once in a while it's like I'm climbing a mountain to get to where God is. But I think there's something to be said for people who are willing to distance themselves from the crowd so that I might just get closer to God and let him speak into my life. And listen, this is what happens next. Then he began to teach them, saying, the poor in spirit are blessed. 
the poor in spirit are blessed. Now we'll read the next part in just a minute. But that first one probably threw some people off. Here the disciples are. They just climbed a mountain for you, Jesus. And the first thing you say is, blessed are the people who are poor in spirit. Like I'm not even entirely sure what that means. But I'm not sure that's really what I was expecting. I was hoping you would say, blessed are the people who climbed a mountain for you. I was hoping you would say something about how I've served you and I've walked with you and I left my nets and I left my dad and I walked with you when you said follow me. I was hoping you'd kind of give me some props and say you are blessed because you worked really, really hard to get up this mountain. You need to work out more, but you're blessed. And he doesn't. He says this phrase, this poor in spirit. Luke doesn't even add the in spirit part. Luke just simply says, blessed are the poor. I just imagine that there's, there's this part of them that says, that's not what I was expecting, and this is going to be different than I ever thought. This whole following Jesus thing is going to be a different thing than I ever imagined it would be. That it's going to look different, and it's going to sound different, and it's going to feel different, and it's going to make me different. And Because the poor in spirit, like, I, I don't, I was hoping you'd say, blessed are the powerful, blessed are the rich. He doesn't say that. In fact, the word blessed, because sometimes we just go, oh, you're a blessing. You're just so blessed. We don't really know what the word, the word actually means happy, yeah, it means happy. So that's that's cool. It means fortunate. And here's here's my favorite definition of the word blessed, to be admired. Meaning someone sees you as blessed means they see you and go, man. That's incredible. Blessed to be admired are the poor in spirit. That's a pretty strong phrase. Some of you are still processing the poor in spirit thing because you haven't given me an amen yet. But the, the poor in spirit, that's a, it's a happy, fortunate to be admired are those who are poor. I mean, Jesus, right off the bat with his first phrase, with his first point, he's not even giving you a funny story or a great illustration. He's just going straight into it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's a, a big thing to say, and it's something that for many of us, it, it flips everything upside down for what we think it should be. It, it kind of turns everything on its head. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Fortunate are those who are poor in spirit. I mean, I just, that's not the way I would describe kingdom people. Like if I were to go, hey, hey, what, is, what does it look like to be a believer in Jesus and to, to really walk in Christ and to, to really see his kingdom come? What does that look like? Well, it means you're poor in spirit. That's not the first place I go, right? I would go to joyful and overcoming and, more than victorious, and uh, come on, I, I would go to peaceful and strong, and man, they're vibrant, and they're oh, poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And you kind of begin to see Matthew talk about this idea that heaven and earth are very different. Matthew's already recording in his message about what Jesus said, in his observance of what Jesus said, he's already telling you This is different. 
And our, our base scripture for the series is Acts chapter 17, verse 7. And it says that they drug the men before the court. And it says that they, these are the men who have turned the world upside down. And the reason they've turned the world upside down because they are acting contrary to what Caesar has decreed because they say that there's another king. So this whole idea of us believing in Christ means then that our life becomes contrary to what everyone else would believe it should be. That our life now is different. And so this idea that is poor in spirit is really an important idea. And what you realize about the Beatitudes as you read them is words like blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger, blessed are those who are persecuted. You begin to understand this is not this is not a kingdom achieved, it is a kingdom received. This is not a kingdom that you can somehow orchestrate your life in such a perfect way that all of a sudden God shows up. This is really a, a, a kingdom that when you are willing to finally surrender yourself to him, you find out that God was ready to move. That it's a, a, a kingdom that is not somehow achieved, but it's a kingdom received. The New Living Translations uh, translates this by this. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Realize their need for him. Uh, my wife, I don't know about you. I, well, let me just ask this. How many of you, and babe, I love you. How many of you are those people that when you get hurt, like you stub your toe or you drop something or you like you run into something or your child hits you with a plastic bat or like how many of you when you get hurt the first thing you do is make sure no one gets near you anybody know what I'm talking about some of you be proud of it. it's all right that's just how you cope it's okay this is my wife if Meredith if something happens to my wife if, she, if I step on her toe, if someone else steps on her, if, some, if, someone, if something happens to her and I go, babe, are you okay? Get away from me. <laughs> so I can process this thing. Don't come. I've got to figure out what hurts so bad. I don't know what's going on right now, and I don't need you complicating it. I can't answer the question, what's wrong? I don't know. Somehow this went deeper than my toe. My pride is hurt, and I don't want you to know that. And sometimes that's kind of the way we do things, right? We tend to be people who in life try to push things away when we are in need, when we, when we realize that some things are broken, when we realize on the inside of us the things that run through our mind and the things that come out of our mouth when no one is listening and the things that we look at when no one knows and the things we say when no one actually hears. That we realize that we're broken and we need something to change. It's amazing to me how so many times we can go get away, just get away. But see, the, the Beatitudes right off the bat tell you, listen, if you realize your need for God is when you will most realize he's with you. If you would realize that God has made a way for you, then you will be more willing to get in and get on that way. That, that, that if we would be willing to go, I, you know what, I need God. I need him. I'm okay with that. I need God. In fact, Luke, in his, uh, in his recording of the Beatitudes, in Luke chapter 6, 
verse 24, uh, just the very first part. And I'm going to read it out of the message because I think it says it so pointedly for uh, us today. Uh, it says this, but it's trouble ahead. This is right after he's just mentioned all the Beatitudes that you would probably read in Matthew. He's got a few less, but still the same basic premise. And in Luke 6, he says, but it's trouble ahead if you think you have it made. What you have is all you'll ever get. That's interesting, isn't it? It's almost as though if it's everything, if everything is based on what you can achieve, then what you can achieve is all you'll ever get. Like if everything is based on how well you've done, then all you'll ever get is how well you've done. In fact, he talks about prayer this way. Jesus does. Jesus says don't pray like the Pharisees who would pray out in front of people to get recognition because guess what? That's all they'll ever get. They've basically gotten what they aimed for. They were trying to please people, and that's all they'll get is the pleasing people. And how many of you know pleasing people doesn't last very long? Come on now, some of you Dak fans. I, I, that wasn't even my notes. I just threw it out. That was Holy Spirit. Some of you all need to work some things out. So I need to work. You just can't please people very often and very long. You just can't. And, and, and it's almost as Luke is trying to say, on one hand, you can either admit that you need God and watch as God does more than you ever asked or imagined, or you can go, God, I don't need you, and all you'll ever get is what you can do. And all you'll ever have is what you can make happen. And I'm sorry, I know myself well enough to know that all I could ever do just ain't going to cut it. That it's never going to bring heaven to earth. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I cannot pray to myself, Brandon, bring heaven to earth today. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just telling you, that doesn't do anything. But somehow, when I begin to decide that I'm, I, I realize my need for him. So this is not some kind of phrase that's trying to tell you that you're some terrible person or that you should just walk around moping in life and just upset. Because what he actually says is, if you realize God, your need for God, then you actually then in that moment receive the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not described as poor. And the kingdom of God is not described as weak. And the kingdom of God is not described as empty. And the kingdom of God is not described as chaos or as discouragement. The kingdom of God has joy and peace and hope. But it's only received, not achieved. And so unless you're willing to humble yourself and go, God, I, I, I need you in this and in this. And really, quite frankly, in all of this, it's only when you're willing to receive it that you have it. That's where the kingdom of God comes. And I, I wanted to read this to you. In fact, I gave the guys back there it's a quote, and it's pretty long. So I wanted to, to just kind of put it on the screen, because otherwise you might miss some things. So I wanted to read this. This is a great thing as I was studying, and I couldn't put it any better way. So I just want to read it to you. The Beatitudes give us an image of the blessed ones that is just the opposite of what we would naturally value. They are the poor in spirit, the persecuted, the mourning, and the meek. The parables of the kingdom paint for us pictures where uh, debtors are freely forgiven, where the smallest seed produces the largest tree, and where the last come workers receive the same reward. Jesus' model of life shows open-armed compassion for the downtrodden, the touching of the leper, the exalting of the lowly child, the welcoming of the Gentile, and the listening ear for blind outcast beggars. I know I didn't write this, but you could still amen it. 
As king of the universe, he enters Jerusalem not on a war horse or a golden chariot, but riding the humbly, humbly on the foal of a donkey. As king of all, he willingly rides into the city where iron nails will soon be used to hang him naked on a cross in the scorching sun. As this king instructs us, we learn that the one who wants to be first should not exercise an overbearing leadership style, but should be the slave of all. The one who is blessed by God with material wealth should set it aside to follow Christ. The one who desires to save his life must in fact die. Such is the radical nature of the vision of the kingdom that Jesus gives. I did write that. No. This, is, this is really, if we don't catch this, then we will find ourselves living amongst culture while not doing anything to transform it. I'm going to talk about this next week. I almost want to preach what I'm going to preach next week. But we, we cannot proclaim the kingdom and then not follow that with transformation. If the kingdom is proclaimed and nothing is transformed, then no one will believe in anything you've said. In fact, Matthew 4, I'm getting way ahead of myself. In Matthew 4, Jesus begins to proclaim the kingdom. Okay, repent, repent. The kingdom of God's here. Repent. Turn from where you were. Trust me. I'm, I'm telling you. Trust me. Repent. And then he goes and begins to proclaim the kingdom. And it says immediately after that, he begins to heal people. He begins to set people free. He begins to heal, heal blind eyes and heal the lepers. And he begins to heal people of all these different things. And there's something about transformation following proclamation that makes the proclamation actually worth your ear. The willingness for us to go out after saying it, then watching it happen in us. The willingness for us to take a step of faith. The willingness for us to do a service in downtown Fort Worth and, and, and still try to grow grapevine and still try to do. The willingness for us to step out and lean into something that God is doing. The willingness for us to go, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this thing upside down and go, God, I want to put myself in a position where I need you. Where I've got to have you. Where you are the only thing that would sustain and somehow satisfy who I am. It is in that place that all of a sudden the kingdom of God. God comes near. And you have to address the present tense of this verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. Did you hear me? For theirs is the kingdom. It, now, we talked about mustard seed faith and how the kingdom of God grows, but understand that, that, that there, is a, there is a moment where the, when we are willing to go, God, I need you, where God goes, I'm here. Where, where I go, God, I need you to do something in my life. I surrender myself to who you are. I want you to reign, not just save, but to reign in my life. I want you to do something in my life. I, I really have to surrender this and submit this to you, that in that moment, yours is the kingdom. Yours. I, not just yours is the kingdom. So everything you read when we talk about the kingdom of God, everything you talk about when you talk about the kingdom of heaven, everything that you're mentioning when you say those things is now yours. Paul goes on in Romans chapter 14 to say this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Some of you are immediately going, see, I told you you couldn't drink alcohol. That is not what this verse is talking about. 
the context of this verse, the context of this verse is he's speaking to people who were very religious. People who thought if you, and for, for a reason, they, they had set it up for many years in the law of Moses, different things that you could and could not eat. And so they were still living according to this tradition. And Paul is coming preaching a new kingdom. He's preaching a new thing. And he's preaching a new covenant, a new agreement between God and his people. And, and so Paul has showed up and he's saying these things and he's saying, it, it does not matter if you eat this or don't eat this. You're not defiled because you eat this and, or, or more righteous because you eat this. You're not defiled because you drank this or, or, or more righteous because you, he's saying this. That is not what the kingdom of God is. Because that's all out here. That's all this stuff that you can somehow achieve and somehow put on your list of things that you've done well and the gold stars that you've gotten in this Christian life. And all the, He says, no, that's not what it is. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It's peace and it's joy. All produced by the Holy Spirit in you. Things that you cannot do on your own but things that will be produced in you as you allow God to work in you. This righteousness and this peace and this joy. In other words, in other words, the kingdom of God will never be accomplished in your life because of ritual. The kingdom of God, the evidence of the kingdom of God is renewal. That from the inside out, my heart gets bigger. From the inside out, my mind expands. From the inside out, my spirit seems to just be able to live life in a different way. From the inside out, I'm able to carry a different weight. From the inside out, I actually begin to see life in a different way. That, that I am now a different person, not because of the ceremonies I attend, because I showed up at this time or this place, but because of the character of my heart and my life. That this is an inside-out kingdom, an upside-down, inside-out kingdom. Because so much of what we try to do in this earth is to try to reach out and grab something and shape it the way we want it to be shaped and mold it the way we want it to be molded rather than letting God reach out and shape us the way we need to be shaped and mold us the way we need to be molded and be begin to put us in a place where God begin to use us. Because God does want the kingdom of God to reign on this earth. But before it reigns on this earth, it must reign in your heart. That the reality of heaven only comes because it's real here. So why do we need you downtown? Why do we need you tonight in Fort Worth? Because the reality of heaven is in you. It's not in the, the stuff we put up and the lights we have and the songs we sing. It's not, it's in you. Because we realized we needed, we needed God. I need him. I'm poor in spirit. I'm humble. I'm honest about where I'm at. I'm honest about my struggles and my frustrations and my discouragements and the things that I haven't accomplished and things I wanted to do and, and this gap between heaven and earth and this, this future but now and the reality of now but the dream of tomorrow. And I, I, I realize that in all of this, I need God. I need Him. And that empathy for people who, who also need something. And yet, this authority that says, because I acknowledge my need for Him, I've also then now, right now, received his kingdom. And so now I walk in a different authority. And now I can speak to people and say, hey, you know what? I, I, I need God too. And the moment I admit that, the moment I'm willing to go there, I'm actually walking now in a new place. I'm walking as a new person. I got a new pattern to my life. I got a new product as a result of my life. And there's a new power that reigns in my life. That I am now a new person, a new creation created in Christ for good works. Amen. Come on, old things have passed away. All things have become new. You will, th th look, the testament of your life will not be the rituals you try to somehow do during your life. It will be the renewal of your heart. 
I've just found that as we walk through life, the things that people really want to know about you is what really is driving you. And, and, and over the course of time, if all you obsess yourself with is what's out here, you find your relationships getting shallower and shallower and shallower. And you begin to bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship because circumstances change. And if circumstances change, and if those are the things I was trying to sort out, if those circumstances change, then I got to move on. But if it's all based on inward, outward, if it's all based on inside, out, if it's all based on the fact that God reigns in my heart, so whatever's going on around me, I still got the kingdom in my hand and I can operate in life in a new way, in a different way. But see, the only way into the kingdom is through the king. The only way into the kingdom is through the king. So the only way for us to operate in the kingdom is for us to operate with the king. For us to say, Jesus, you reign. Jesus, your name above every other name. And that, that, that poor in spirit, that willingness to go, God, I am yours and yours alone. God, you are the only one who fixes this thing. Because the truth is, it's not what's out here that's causing the problems. It's what's in here. It's what's in my spirit. It's what's in my heart. God, I need you to renew my heart, to renew my spirit. I guess my question for you today is where have you allowed this to become more a ritual than a renewal? Where have you allowed your life, whether it be a faith-filled life or just life in general, whether you believe in Jesus or not, where have you allowed life to just simply become a a ritual, just the things you do every day and the things you kind of work around? Where have you allowed it to just become a certain pattern and rhythm of life rather than a renewal of your life? I feel like I should wake up every day and my heart should be more and more renewed, that my life should be more and more renewed, that my vision should be more and more purposeful, that my my desire for what God wants to do should be more and more strengthened. And I, I should be people who watch as God renews my heart so that he can begin to affect what's in my hand. This kingdom is a kingdom not achieved but received. It's one that we welcome to earth. That's what prayer is, isn't it? Declaring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And that prayer then causes us to walk with purpose, to see it happen. Where has this just become kind of a ceremony thing rather than a character thing? Where has this become a ritual thing rather than a renewal thing? Because I believe God's in the business of renewal. I believe Jesus got rid of some of the ritual. He said, I'm going to get into renewal like the renewal business, because that deals with the heart. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. God, I thank you that your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is first in our heart. That it is us, like Paul says, thinking upon things that are above. Like the the author of Hebrews says that that you would fix your eyes on Jesus. God, every, all throughout the Bible, you continue to tell us, you continue to tell us, hey, this is going to be different than you thought. This is going to work a little different than you imagined. That this is not going to go, go the same way that you thought it was going to go. And, it, and at times, it's going to look a bit scary because saying you're poor in spirit and saying you're those who mourn and saying those, you're those who are persecuted and are hungry and, and saying all those things can sometimes be a difficult thing to say and be a difficult thing to recognize. But God, you give a promise on every one of those. You, you would say that, that those, who are, uh, those who would lose their life would find it. But those who try to hold on to it would lose it. 
God, you would say that, that this is an upside down thing. That this is not what people expect it to be. This is not us searching for power. This is us realizing we're poor. This is not a, an idea that we can achieve, but this is something we have to receive. It's a willingness on our part to be able to, to say, God, this is what I, I need you. I need you. I got to have you. I got to know you. Because if I think I've got it made, then that's all I've got. That's all I've got. But if I can surrender to you, then all of a sudden it opens up all of heaven in my life. And now I'm living with a different perspective and a different view. I want to pray first for those of you who say, you know what? This, is a, this has become a ritual for me instead of renewal. This has become something that I do outwardly that's not really impacting me inwardly. Today I want, to, I want, I want God to, to move, God to do something in your life that's fresh and new and begins to renew your heart. Wherever you are, if you just as you see it with your heads bowed, if that's you, you say, you know what, I, I've allowed this thing to become a ritual, but I want it to become a renewal. I want every day to wake up and have another part of my life continuing to grow. I have another part of my world continuing to shift. I want, to, I want all of a sudden for my heart to become more and more full as I continue to surrender my life to you. If you say, you know what, I've allowed this to become ceremonial rather than character changing. And you say, I want my in inward heart to change because I, I want to acknowledge that God, I do need you. I do need you. I want to receive the kingdom. If that's you, would you just right now, with courage and boldness, would you just raise your hand? If that's you, say, I've just allowed this to become just a normal thing, just a ritual. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, you go, man, there's more power in this relationship, God, than what, what I'm currently experiencing. There's more to this than what I'm currently living in. Thank you, man. Thank you. So good. Anybody else? I'm going to pray real quick. Anybody else? Just say, you know what? I want more. There's more of this in my life. Come on. God, I pray right now. Thank you. I see that. Lord, I pray right now every, every heart. Lord, that this would not just be a ritual thing. It would not just be a habit thing. It would not just be a tradition thing. It would not just be what, what has always been done thing. Lord, it would be a new thing. God, it would be a renewing thing. God, that all of a sudden I would walk with a different character. God, I wouldn't be concerned with the eating and the drinking. God, I'd be more concerned with the righteousness and the joy and the peace. God, I would be more concerned with what's being produced on the inside of me than what's happening on the outside of me. And I understand that can be difficult to see what's going on and to, to not let it affect what's going on in uh, my heart and my spirit. I pray right now, and every person that just raised their hand, God, I pray that you would renew their spirit, renew their heart. Lord, I pray you'd give them a fresh breath. The Holy Spirit, you would do something new in them. God, that they would receive this kingdom. Not try to achieve it, but they'd receive it. Real quick, before I have you stand with me, uh, is there anybody in here today who'd say, you know what, I need to receive the king. I've never just received the king. I've never even just given my life to the king who came and died and gave everything for me that I might have life. Maybe for the first time in a long time, you're saying, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need, to, I need to submit to the king again so that I can walk in the kingdom. If that's you here today and you say, today I realize I need the king. Because I want the kingdom. I need the king. I need the king who redeems. I need the king who makes new. I need the king who forgives all of my past and all of my sin. I need the king. I want to repent and walk into the new kingdom. Maybe for the first time in a long time you're saying, God, I need, I need you. I need you. I need you. 
is submit my life to the king. If that's you this morning, I know it takes a little bit of courage, a little bit of boldness, but if that's you and you'd say, you know what, I want, I want the king because I want the kingdom. And I know he wants that for me. I want to submit my life to the king. If that's you, would you just right now raise your hand? Anybody in here say, yeah, that's me. Awesome, why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's, let's go out of this place singing. Let's go out of this place worshiping. As we're singing, as we're worshiping, what a great day to be in church, y'all. What a great day to be here. But as we're worshiping, we've got people standing on either side of the stage ready to pray with you, ready to agree with you. So maybe if you raise your hand and said, man, I need a renewal in my heart, go grab them, pray with them. But maybe you've got a job thing or a family thing or, or whatever it is. Prayer matters, prayer works. Prayer makes a difference. And so I'd love for you to, while we sing, to just go and grab one of these guys and let them pray with you real quick and agree with them. Amen.